You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Well, if, uh, if you're new here this week, um, personal welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming and, and uh, looking into uh, what we call family. Uh, we're looking into kind of like our home. We love that you could be here. And um, hope that you have an incredible morning this morning. I believe God's going to speak to you uh, here at Victory. Uh, we believe that God is real. We believe that this Bible uh, is His Word to us. We believe that it's alive, it's living, it can speak to us right now today with the same power in which it was written. Believe that it was written by human hands, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so I'm hoping God's going to speak to you this morning. Um, also, if you call Victory your home, welcome. Welcome to family dinner, right? We gather around, we eat of the Word. It's like family dinner right now. Um, can we thank our amazing creative team that is slowly sliding off there into the background? Actually, I, um, I was just hoping I might brag on our creative team for a second, if that's all right. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, my name is Pastor Nate, and me and my wife, we get to lead uh, our awesome creative team. And uh, we gathered this week as, as a whole creative sphere. And uh, that is our whole creative sphere of, of victory. That is all of our worship, our production, our events teams, our creative arts, gathering together to hear what God is going to do in the future of the creative team of this church. And uh, I just think they're awesome. Come with That was a Wednesday night, middle of their week. They're coming out. They're passionate about what God is doing in their lives, utilizing their gift um, for the benefit of this house so that God's glory and goodness might be shown and expressed to all mankind. Um, I just love them. I think they're awesome. And um, we had so much fun that night. If you want to have fun, join the creative team. Amen. And... Uh, you will not be disappointed. Hope that you have enjoyed our current series. Uh, we're into the third week now of a series that we call A Church Like Home. And uh, I think you guys have done really well. Can we have a show of hands? Who has been here for now all three weeks? Who's a three-weeker? Come on, that's like the, the majority of, of our, our congregation. That is incredible. Um, there's something to, to be said for building revelation upon revelation upon revelation, right? Um, well, I thought that being the third week, I would give you guys a gift. Those that have endured uh, my preaching for two weeks in a row, you deserve a gift. So our venue team has, has some gifts for you this morning. It might seem like an obscure gift, um, and, but you do get to take it with you at the end of the service. So um, I'm going to let them hand those out. They're going to, this is going to go around and, and it's a little bit like a lucky dip. You get to pick one, choose one, enjoy it, play with it. Try not to let it distract you from the message. Um, Communication 101 would tell me to give these out at the end so they don't distract you from what I'm going to say. But um, I know that in today's day and age, uh, uh, fidget spinners, everybody needs something to keep themselves undistracted, right? So here's my, here's my gift to you. Enjoy it. But if you have been here for all three weeks, you would have known that week one, Pastor Simo bought an incredible word, uh, opening up our series, talking about the fact that we are a home for humanity. That the purpose of us being on planet earth today is that we are here to be living, breathing, walking, talking stones joined together to express the goodness of God to all mankind. That first and foremost, 
as a church, we are called to be inclusive. And we talked about this idea of the fact that in a home, we're a family. And in the middle of family, okay, is the letter I. And that the family functions on the basis of what the individuals do within that family. And so we decided on four eyes for our series. Four eyes that all of you eyes um, get to be a part of, me included in that. And, and we went with inclusive. And then week two, last week, we talked about being invested invested that that heart connection between each other um, we talked about the heart connection the heart condition and the heart location and uh, now we're going to talk about the third eye this week the third eye is being involved you remember I kind of prompted you last week by saying we wanted to talk about the heart before we talked about the hands we wanted to make sure that when we talked about labor it was a labor of love not a labor for love okay and so this this week now that we've established that our heart is connected and that our heart is first in this place, in this house. Now let's talk about what God has given us to enable this house to be all that it can be. Amen. Awesome. So for those of you who have received your gift, you would know by now that what you're getting is a little Lego block. Right? Those of you who haven't, sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, it's no longer a surprise gift. You are receiving a piece of Lego. I loved Lego growing up. I uh, played with a lot of Lego, and uh, now my, my son gets to play with all of my leftover Lego at my mum's place, and uh, I, just, I just really enjoyed putting Lego together. I enjoyed the, the idea of following the steps and making sure it was just so, just right, and um, I just I love the idea that every piece of Lego can look different, can be a different shape, a different size, but it is, it is all required to finalize the model, right? It is all required. There is not one piece that you get unless they throw in like a spare in case you lose it. That was always a benefit. But most of the time, there is not one piece of Lego that is not required irrespective of its shape or size, irrespective of whether it was like the standard, you know, uh, six block, eight, eight, sorry, eight block, or whether it was a tiny little obscure flashing light piece, it was required to make the model what it was supposed to be. So we're kind of going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, it's kind of like a visual prompt for you in terms of the fact that we all have these gifts by God for the benefit of His house. Um, so can I encourage you as we get into the Word this morning, be on the front of your seat. Let's be engaged in what God is saying to us as a church, as individuals within this family. Uh, and let's be responsive. I believe that as we respond outwardly with an amen, with a yes, you can clap, you can cheer, you can stand up and you know, point your finger in the air if you really want to. If God's really speaking to you, go for it. But I believe something solidifies in our spirit when we give a ver some type of external uh, response when, when we feel our spirit being spoken to. So don't be afraid to be responsive this morning. Now, with that being said, let's get into the Word. 1 Peter 4, we've been progressing through 1 Peter slowly. Um, Peter kind of knew a bit about what the church should look like. He was there at the beginning. And um, so we've been studying what Peter has been saying to us about this thing called the church. And 1 Peter 4, starting at verse 10, and if you don't have your Bible, we've, we've got it on the screen up in our Sky Bible, it says, God has given gifts to each of you from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God Himself was speaking. 
through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then God will be given glory in everything through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you're here in this place. I thank you that this church is your church that we are first and foremost your people, your sons and daughters. I thank you for your word this morning. I believe you are speaking to us in this season. God, I believe you've ordained it. Lord, I believe that every person seated here today is seated here uh, according to your plan and your purpose for their life, Father. Uh, There's no accident that they're here this morning. And uh, Lord, I want to pray right now for Pastor Keith and Janet. Thank you for their safe return from Indonesia. Pray you'd be with Pastor Keith as he ministers this morning at our Northwest campus. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would help us, God, to grieve the loss of the Jets last night. But believe in faith that they will return to the top of the table next week in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone said, amen. It was a rough night last night, but I've moved on. And I'm believing for greater success in the future. Um, when, I, when I was growing up, I, I say that because obviously I'm fully grown now, as uh, you know, <laughs> right? When I was younger, I should start with that. Um, we used to, we, I grew up in Port Macquarie, and uh, we used to do a lot of camping up at Crescent Head. Hands up, Crescent Head attendees, yeah. Come on, fantastic location on the coast of our blessed nation. Um, and every summer, for the same two weeks, um, we would meet with our cousins up at Crescent Head to go camping. And I, I, that tradition went for like longer than my life, okay? That, they started that before I was even born, and there's photos of me um, in, in the caravan, uh, in like a, you know, because we didn't have fancy baby carriers back then, so, you know, we were just like slung around on the, on the hip. But, um, you know, I'm there, and I'm, I'm, I'm little, getting dragged along in the lagoon on a bodyboard. I, so I basically, my summer holidays, I grew up at Crescent Head. And as I progressed in age, I became more and more and more involved in kind of the logistics of making that holiday happen, right? Because who knows when you're really little, holidays just occur in front of you and it's like, whoa, yes, I'm at the beach for a whole week. Um, and then as you get older, you realize someone paid for that and then someone, someone packed up the car and, and then someone drove with the screaming child in the back for two and a half hours to get there and, and you're just oblivious to it all. But I remember that as we reached sort of like our later teenage years, the, the responsibility really began to rest on our shoulders. And, and uh, I wouldn't have said we had a state-of-the-art caravan. In fact, that would have been given an incredible compliment. Um, in fact, our caravan, and it wasn't my caravan, so I'm, it wasn't me doing this, but um, it was actually so dodgy that it could no longer be registered. And so to get it up to Crescent Head, I don't know if you are familiar with this, but there was this old dirt road called the Plummer Track, right? Went up past Point Plummer, dirt road. Everyone went up through there and when they were on their P's and, and practiced their rally driving. But we used to have to drag our tow our, our caravan up that road to avoid all of the Christmas police right on the freeway. It's like confession time. Um, I don't believe I actually ever drove, but I was certainly a part of it. And, uh, and we would get it up there, and it was always so dodgy to set up. The balance thing had totally broken. We'd be jacking it up with little pieces of timber here and there. And, and we had so many little extra pieces packed in that caravan just to set it up. But I remember every year the boys would go up uh, in, my, in my uncle's troop carrier, and, um, and we'd carry the caravan, and our job was the setup. 
right? Our job was to prep the campsite because along with the old caravan, we had this ridiculously old annex, okay? Like the old big massive canvas ones that it took four people to carry and had 300 different poles that we had to like color code and it was like so hard to put back together. No one knew if we got it right or not. And then even if we did, it never quite fitted properly. So you were never confident you had it right. But our job was to go up and, and set up. And then later in the afternoon, many hours later, because we knew how long it would take, um, all of the ladies, and, and this isn't in any way some type of weird gender bias thing, but they would, they would come up later and bring up all of the food for dinner and we'd all sit down and enjoy, oh, the camp's set up, let's all sit back and relax. But in reflection on that, I began to realize that whenever my family gathers together, everyone's involved. Whether it's family dinner, which we try to have sort of on a regular basis, gather the immediate family together, or, or even if it's that big family holiday um, where the extended family gathers, everybody had a role to play. Nobody that called themselves a member of that family sat off to the side and just watched everyone else doing what they were sort of assigned, un, you know, not like sign on the dotted line assigned, but you know, the, the jobs that were kind of you stepped into and you knew that you had the capability and the ability to do that. And, and, and that was just what you did as part of that. So like Friday night family dinner, uh, I know part of my job is carving the meat. This is, this is what I do. Apparently I'm good at it. Um, so that's my role on a, on a Friday night family dinner. That and then packing the dishwasher because I'm a little OCD and I like puzzles and like t- Tetris was my jam, right, growing up. So uh, I, I love that. But the reality was that we all had something to do. We all had a task related to our skill, our age, and our ability, which benefited the construction of the campsite or the facilitation of family dinner. And Peter is expressing a very similar idea here to us in chapter 4 of his letter. Uh, he's, he starts off by saying, first and foremost, each of you, each of you, all of you, every person, no one exempt, no one left out, every single person that calls this place home, you have a gift. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. I want you to say, right now, everyone in this place, just say, I have a gift. Let's say it again, I have a gift. That's the third time, so it really sinks in. I have a gift. And the reality is that your gift has been given to you for the glory of God. It's pretty good, right? Like we've been given something and the whole reason we've been given it is so that we can do it really well. And when we do it really well, it shows how awesome our God is. I hear some people say, I'm, I'm gifted for the marketplace. And I'm in no way shutting that down. But I'm saying that in addition to that, You are actually also gifted for something to do with God's house. I fully believe in the marketplace. In fact, I love building business and my brother and I have one on the side and I love it. But I don't believe that that is the only reason we exist on planet earth. I believe that we, every single person that calls a church, any church home, I believe they have been given a gift for the benefit of the house being able to express God's glory. You can argue that one in email later if you want. But it's the reality. Now, some of you might not have opened your gift yet. I know growing up, I had this weird kind of obsession that every Easter, I would keep one Easter egg. I'd eat all the others, but one Easter egg I would save all year. I wouldn't open it. 
It would sit in the fridge. I know it was totally gross, but that's what I would do. And I would eat it the night before the next Easter. So I would feel like I was benefiting from Easter for the whole year, right? It was great. Um, but when I, because I didn't open it, I didn't know the quality of the chocolate was inside. I don't know if it was white chocolate, which is my favorite if you want to get me a gift, white chocolate. Um, or, um, or, or it was milk chocolate or that, that crazy, weird, healthy chocolate, dark chocolate, which people eat because they think it's healthy, right? But I didn't know how good the gift was because I wouldn't open it. And some of you haven't opened the gift that God's given you, and so you don't know how good it is. Some of you don't realize what you do is better than what others do. You dismiss your gift. Because you have, we have, as humanity, as humans, we have this human condition where we like, to, we like to scale and rank things. And so we think that certain gifts are great, that other gifts we kind of like, uh, it's not that. Uh, no, no, God never does that. There is no rank, okay, according to the gifts that God pulls out in his people. Just like every single piece of Lego plays equal importance in the model, so too does every gift play an equal importance in expressing the glory of God. There is a facet of his glory that your gift expresses that mine does not. Some of you, your gift doesn't look like or seem like what someone else calls a gift. So you have dismissed it. Let me tell you a little story about a present I bought my wife once. And this is going to scare some, some ladies out there, so don't get offended. But my, probably the best present I've ever bought my wife was a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, right. To some of you, that would be an insult, right? Yeah, open up an, a vacuum cleaner under the Christmas tree. There would be family issues on Christmas Day. Not my wife. My wife loved the vacuum. It was like the best present I ever bought her. You can talk to her later. I am not lying. Okay, she was like, that is the best. She still talks about it. So there are some gifts that you have that you've gone to kind of explore, but other people, well, to them, that gift is really weird. They're like, oh, that's not a gift, right? But it is. If, to you, it's your gift. When the Bible describes these gifts, it's, an, it's actually expressing a, a broad range, this huge variety of gifts, right? The NLT uses the words great variety. The New King James Version uses the words manifold grace, which points uh, to the multifaceted kind of multi-aspects of the gifts of God. And the Amplified says many-sided, extremely diverse gifts, right? So there's this understanding that there is this humongous range of gifts. Peter lists two. Okay, now these are the two that Peter has experience with. He uses speaking and he uses helping people, okay? Um, and that's because in Acts 6, if we look at Acts 6, if we look at Peter's experience with gifts and empowering people in their gifts, um, we, we, we get to this point where we're in the church. Hey, let me, let me turn my Bible there. It says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, come on, who knows that, that as the church grows, we require and we need everybody involved, that their, your gift is important as the church begins to grow. We need everybody's gifts. There were rumblings of discontent. Those who spoke Greek complained against those who spoke Hebrew, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting. No, Peter would have been there. Peter was one of the 12. 
We apostles should spend our time preaching and teaching the word amongst yourselves, brothers, and select seven men who are well respected. Now, they knew their gift. Their gift was preaching and teaching. And they said, we need to select seven. Now, seven, seven in the Bible represents completion, right? So this story is specifically about selecting seven, but it's also saying that there is a complete selection of the other gifts necessary for the church to function. All right, so seven Seven men who are well respected, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will put them in charge of this business, the business of helping the widows and the food program. And then we can spend our time in prayer and preaching and teaching the word. So now, forward to 1 Peter, where Peter is recapping and rewriting to people and saying, hey, this is how the church should function. He's, he's using his experience of, of that time in the church's history and saying to function in a church that is multiplying and growing it requires more than just the speaking and the helping it actually requires the full expression of the gifts that God has placed on the lives of the people in the church to do the job now what he's really doing is he's really kind of giving an a to z of the gifts Right, if we were talking about a range of countries, we might say the phrase from Australia to Zimbabwe. But what we're really saying is inclusive of all the countries in between. This is what Peter is saying. He's saying from speaking all the way to helping others, but it is inclusive of all the gifts because we've looked at the context and the context explains there is this wide variety. So, so why would Peter write what? Write wide variety and then only list two. Okay, he's, he's asking, can you read what I'm saying here? I'm talking that right from speaking all the way through to helping, there is this wide range of gifts. Now, the reason there is this wide range is because the glory of God is incredibly, incredibly complex and expressive and doesn't require just two gifts for it to be seen in its full expression. You know, we are actually dependent on divine diversity for the glory of God to be seen. The beauty of that is that we are all needed, but we are not needed to do all. Man, there's some weight coming off some people's shoulders when you hear that, mainly mine. <laughs> I don't need to do everything. It's just my personality. I like to do everything. I get to do what God has gifted me to do and at the same time be confident that God has gifted you to do all the things that is going to enable this church and the church, big picture, be able to express the fullness of the glory of God to humanity. When we realize that God has gifted us, and this might scare you, but point one tells us that we've been trusted. If God's given us a gift, we've, we've been trusted. God has trusted us with the extent of the expression of his glory in the church and the amount of the goodness of God that is seen by humanity. He's trusted us with that. I know that when someone trusts me with something, it means they're confident that I can do it. I'll let this sit on you for a second, but God is confident in you. 
God is confident in you. If God didn't believe we could do it, if he didn't believe in us, he would not have made his sole plan on planet earth, us. The whole plan of expressing the glory of of the kingdom of God, his whole strategy, it's us. It's the church. It's the living, breathing, walking, talking stones that he's gathered together. We are his whole plan. And if God has confidence in us, we should have confidence in ourselves. If God believes I can, then I should believe I can. You should believe you can. You should believe that you can do what God's called you to do. Don't let any doubt creep into your mind that somehow you're not able, you're not equipped, you can't do what you know God's placed on your life to do. You function in some gift that no one else does, but it's a little strange, it's a little obscure, it's not what you expected, and so you discount it or you're not confident in it. Be confident. God's confident in you. He didn't make mistakes. He designed you to carry the gift He preordained for you to have on your life. Be confident in that. Now, in the same way that God is confident in us, and so we should be confident in ourselves, we should be confident that we have the ability. We've been entrusted with a really important job. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've been entrusted with an important job. I was entrusted in, in walking my sister down the aisle at her wedding. Uh, maybe you've been entrusted in, in pressing play at the, the right time. So the bridal entry song, I'm sure it's got a, a technical name, but uh, it, it, it plays the right song. Or maybe you were the one entrusted in setting up the picnic on the headland surrounded by fairy lights, right, for the proposal. In, in somebody's eyes, those were glorif- like glorious moments. And you were entrusted in, in enabling that glory to come to fruition. I guarantee you didn't get that job unless the person believed that you could be trusted and that you were able to do what they needed you to do to get it done. But here's the thing in the church, right? Because... Because the beauty of this ability that I'm talking about, the beauty of this ability that God is confident we have is not a physical ability. It's not a physical ability. And I don't want this to come across in any way as a volunteer drive, like, yeah, we got sign up papers outside, you know, you sign up in the info desk. No, no, no. This is, this is because as a church, we want every person to be living out the fullness of the life that God has called them to. And because we're confident that when you do that, humanity is going to be shocked at the glory of the church. Right? That's, that's why we preach on this. Okay? And <clears throat> here's the thing. God doesn't give a gift without the grace to fulfill the gift. You see, in 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul tells Timothy, be strong in the grace. You see, grace, when you explore what grace is, grace is the power to change. Grace is actually a power. Grace isn't just a grease to get out of situations. Grace is a power to do what we've been called to do. And so when God puts a gift on our life, He also, through the power of His Holy Spirit, gives us a supernatural grace to be able to accomplish that gift. You need to be strong in the, in the, in the reality that you have a gift, and then you need to be confident. Hang on a second. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. 
I got everything I need to be able to do that gift. If God's put it on my life, God's graced me to do it. I can be confident that I can do it, that I will do it. And that when I do it, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. And it's going to have an impact in the world. Point two is, or point one, we've been trusted. Point two is, we've been charged. We've been charged. The New Living Translation uses the word manage. New King James, good steward. Amplified, good trustee and faithful steward. Now, I'm not Pastor Keith, so I'm not going to pronounce the Greek word, but I can tell you that the Greek word that's used in each of those, right, the, the, the Greek word behind those translations means household manager. How interesting that when we begin to explore what it is to be a home, a church like home, the phrasing that Peter would use to describe the gift that you bring into this place is actually in the context of a household. It's in the context of a home. It's in the context of managing the home, right? And I also began to explore this. And the first person to use this term, the Greek term, the first person to do that was Jesus. He was the first person to use this Greek term that meant household manager in the context of stewarding something that you've been given. And it was in Luke 12 and Matthew 12. And I find it interesting because Jesus was the first of the new covenant. He was the first person that came and introduced the fact that we can relate to God in the context of a family. He was the first one to come and say, God is my father. He was the first one to say, now we can be called sons and daughters. He was the first, the cornerstone of this new house, right? The one that we are all being built next to and upon. So he came with a new covenant using a new word that said all that you've been given, you should use it in the context of a home this home that my dad is designing this home that my dad is building that is where your gift is to be outworked in its fullness as faithful managers of a household see because we've been charged we need to be faithful because we've been given a gift and we've been charged by God to use it We need to be faithful with that gift. Can I tell you that success in your gift is not size or volume. Success in your gift is faithfulness. The parable of the talents, it didn't matter the amount that they were given and the amount they produced. What matters was that they were good and faithful servants. They were celebrated for their faithfulness. just like in a household nothing that we do should be for selfish gain we are to use our gift humbly because ultimately our gift is not for our glory it's for God's glory the incredible nature of his home the church the incredible expression that it becomes when every person, every living stone begins to do what it was designed to do. The glory that's shown, the goodness of God that gets expressed is about Him, not about us. 
God's reason for endowing us with gifts is to show His glory to the world. It's the purpose. That's the whole reason you can do what I can't do. That's the whole reason you've got a gift that I don't have is so that the whole expression of the glory of this God that we declare is real and we declare is good. The whole reason we've been given different things is so every facet of His glory might be seen by those that come in to our home. Those that come in, those in humanity that are lost and broken and searching and wondering why they're here on planet earth, that they might come and see the whole glory of God get expressed. So here's the thing with the Lego. When I bought Lego, I couldn't wait to build it, right? I opened it up, saw the little individual pieces. All of those individual pieces together, they, they, they created such an anticipation of what the model could become. I look out today, so all these individual little pieces, I get that same anticipation of what the model might become. piece after piece after piece together, follow the instructions, follow the instructions that God gives us on how to build this thing called the house of God. As I'd follow the instructions piece by piece, the model would start to take place, start to take shape. And at the end, that model was always better than I expected. It was always awesome. I was always blown away. Like, oh my goodness, all these little pieces made this. That is amazing. It was glorious. I was a little exaggerator, but no one's ever said a Lego model was glorious. But you know what it did? The glory of the finished model it actually made you value each individual piece because of what it bought. Each individual piece was really there for the whole model to be glorious. But once the whole model was done and you began to look in, you saw the intricacy, you saw the beauty, you saw the detail of the design and you were blown away that that tiny little obscure piece made such a difference to the whole model, the big picture that you could see at the end. And that's the church. That's why we're here. Each of you, in a Lego block, you're a living, breathing stone. You are being built up, each person with a place, each person with a position, each person with a gift, that when we begin to function in it, confident that God's put it on our life and confident that God has equipped us with a grace to fulfill it, I'm telling you, we're going to see a church that is glorious. We're going to see a church that shows the world that God is real and good and extravagant and amazing and glorious in Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.